Suicide Prevention Show. We are waking up the world with the power of positivity and making suicide, especially teen suicide, a thing of the past. This is an important conversation. We're going to be talking about plans. And sometimes we have plans for living. And sometimes we have plans for dying. And sometimes we really don't know where our plans are going to take us. But we're going to take this journey with Isha Hogan. So Isha, turn on your camera and join me in the studio. Ah! Hi there. Hi. And, and did I butcher your name? Is it you Isha? Did. It's okay. Isha. Aisha. Aisha. Oi. There we go. Yeah, okay. okay. So, um, Aisha. Yes. Thank you. Even though it's spelled with an A. It's I know. It's like just an I. <laughs> Names are like that. Have you ever noticed? Yes. You know, it doesn't matter how people spell it, how they pronounce it is up to them. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So cool. All right. So thank you for your tolerance with my name. Uh, let's talk about it. This is the topic of the day, meaning that I want to normalize this whole conversation around suicide. Yes. But yours is a little bit unique. So talk to us about what was going on in your world. What was the typical day? What was just, be, when this all started to come into your world, what was going on? Okay. Um, so like many others, my um, growing up, you know, my childhood was a little um, bit of a challenge. Uh, we came from a country where um, children were, you know, especially female children, there was a lot of expectation from them. And so when we came to Canada, things were very different here. And being the eldest of three. Where did um, you come from? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Where my parents you? are from Turkey. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> My parents are from Turkey and that, you know, and there the rules are not the same as they are here. So let's just put it that way. So um, my father was a wild card just growing up. He was a wild card. Definitely. You know, he was that guy. He was the guy that was, you know, the charmer, all that kind of stuff. He was, he was a wonderful, fun, charming person. And, you know, growing up, it was a little heavy handed and by the time I was, I guess, to the dating age, I had really put together that love and pain were, you couldn't have one without the other. Ooh. And my father, um, not, he's not, he was never a bad man. It's just all he knew. You know, he never, it was never like that with my sister or my brother. I, you know, he learned pretty early through it that it, what he was doing was wrong, not the way to do it. And, but the damage was already done with me. And um, so when he would be upset with me and when it would get like that, he would tell me, I'm doing this because I love you. So I would get this really twisted idea as a kid, you get this really twisted idea of what love means. So when I started dating, um, when I started dating, if a man didn't hit me, I didn't actually think he liked me or loved me. Wow. So 
I would make sure it would happen. I could take about just about any man and turn him into somebody who would raise his hand to a woman. And because I was just so desperate to feel that love. Growing up with a name like Aisha, coming from a country like Turkey, going to a school, we moved around a lot uh, because of my dad's work. And, you know, I was not, I was the kid that was always isolated. I was the kid that was always on my own. I was the kid that was always trying to fit in, but getting beat up every day after school. So my, you know, I remember one day in particular, my mother coming to look for me because I was always an hour and a half later than everybody else coming home. And she couldn't figure it out. And she came home to school one day and she hid behind a tree and she watched all these kids come out. She's like, where's my daughter? And she went in and they found me in the bathroom, just sitting on the tank in one of the, in one of the stalls. I was waiting. I was waiting for everyone to leave so I could go home and that I could go home without getting beat up. So, you know, so you can imagine I, I, my whole life was like this. And when I started getting into the real world and working and whatever, you know, I was, you know, you don't bring high school and public school and stuff into your work because it's a whole different crowd of people. However, you do inside. Mm -hmm. So outside, I learned really quickly how to be bubbly and fun and, you know, tell jokes and get people to want to be around me. But inside I was screaming and I was dying and I already knew I was dying. I, I just knew it. And I just, and I absolutely hated myself, hated myself. And I think I would even go as far to say that, you know, I found myself repulsive. So, um, I tried to get beyond it. I went for some counseling, you know, talk therapy and stuff. And it just really, I was getting angry because all I would hear is, and how does that make you feel? And I thought if one more person asked me that I was going to dive across someone's desk and pop them. Like I was just like, seriously. And I also want to say that when you hold on to stuff like that for that long, anybody at a certain point, I started getting very protective of myself. When I realized that it was not okay to be hit by people, that this was actually not okay. And I remember sitting at a table with a friend of mine and I had a black eye from um, a boyfriend. And she said, where'd you get that? And I said, you know, he was just mad at me. And I went on talking about whatever. And she said, hold on a minute. And we were in a coffee shop. And she said, what do you mean he was mad at you? And I said, well, you know, you know how they get, right? And I was just went on to telling my story. And she people around us at the tables around us started coming closer and closer to our table. And all of a sudden, when I realized in that moment, I felt like I was being exercised because I had all these people telling me that this was not okay behavior. And, you know, when I realized that it was wrong and you could actually have a relationship and not get hit, like this was this, that was normal and not what I was going through. It was really hard for me to take that. It was mm -hmm. very difficult for me to take that. And <laughs> yeah, it was, it was tough. So I moved forward and I got very protective of myself and, you know, no one could touch me. And I, sometimes I was a little bit over the top about it. Like no one could touch me ever and rage would come out. I was enraged inside and my father 
came up and he apologized to me at a public function. He was supposed to make a toast to somebody. Instead, he made a toast to me and he apologized for everything that he had done. And he said, I feel like it's my fault for everything that you've been going through. And I would have paid money that that apology would never come. So when it showed up, I spent all my time just having a relationship with him and building a relationship with him and putting everything that I had been through aside. Mm -hmm. So what ended up happening was, you know, usually like always, as I know now, when tragedy strikes, stuff comes up. So when my dad died, I was in my early forties. And when my dad died, everything that I had been suppressing all of those years showed up at once. And it was just like somebody took the dome off the plate and it was like, here you go. And I didn't know what to do with it all. I didn't know what to do with it all. I had learned how to pretend and now I couldn't pretend anymore. And I had to deal with all of this stuff. And, you know, I had a career where I had a really good career. I could go on vacations when I wanted. I could, you know, do whatever I wanted. You know, I was hosting a television show. There was all these things that I was doing that it looked great on the outside, but I was still that kid who hated myself on the inside. I never thought I was good enough. I never thought I was worthy. I never thought any of those things about myself. And when my dad died, something in me snapped and I was just sitting there with, what do I do with all of this? I have no idea. And we had to go to Turkey. We were spreading my father's ashes in Turkey. I had already made a decision before we left that it was time for me to go to sleep and not wake up anymore. I was just tired. I was tired of pretending and I was tired of, um, I was just tired of making so many mistakes. I was tired of feeling alone. I was tired of all of those things. And I was so happy for the very first time in my entire life. I was ecstatic. I could not wait to get back from this last family thing that we had to do and end it. I, it was giving me something to look forward to. So we're in Turkey and, you know, meeting family for the first time that I've never met in my entire life and I'm meeting them and everything. And I'm just like having a great time because I know what's waiting for me when I get home and I can't wait. So I am like making the most of this last, you know, vacation. Well, not a vacation. We were spreading my dad's ashes. So, you know, we're on the boat. We did what we had to do. My, you know, my uncle's a, uh, an admiral in the Navy there. And they, we, we got a boat and we're out there doing this thing and we come back and, and uh, you can see pictures of me on the boat. Like you can, I am like smiling. I'm so like, this is it. And my, my cousin, who's the same age as me, my cousin says to me about three days before we're leaving. And she says, Aisha, can I give you a Reiki session? She's a Reiki master. Now, I didn't know that much about Reiki at the time. I, 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 I'd heard about it. I, my mother does it, <laughs> but I really, she never really explained it to me. So I don't know what she was doing. I just knew it was something that made her hands hot. Like I just didn't understand what it was. So I said, sure, you know, do whatever you want. What I didn't realize is she wasn't just giving me a Reiki session. She actually gave me a Reiki attunement, but for level one and level two on the same day. And I felt like something was really happening to me and I didn't know what it was. By the time I'd woke up in the morning, she says to me, I want to teach you some of this, like teach you what I did. She goes, that wasn't a session, but I really feel like 
and her Turkish is much more advanced than mine. So I, there's a, there's a bit of a communication thing there too. So she's saying, you know, she's trying to teach me some stuff and I'm like, what is going on with me right now? And she said, you've had a complete energy shift. She goes, I don't know why I felt like I, she goes, I've never done that to anyone. She goes, but I really feel like I had to do that to you. And I was like, okay. And all of a sudden the idea of ending my life was gone. Like it, it, it was like, well, wait a second here, you know? And I called from Turkey to Toronto, Canada. I found another Reiki master in the telephone book, like, and like online on the internet. And she lived 20 minutes away from the airport. And I said, listen, I'm landing in a day. I need to come and see you. I explained to her on the phone what was going on. And I said, and I need to find out what this thing is that just happened to me because I felt like everything shifted. So I show up at her house and I once again explain everything. And it just turns out that that weekend, she just happens to be teaching Reiki one and two, uh, the class, the class, like the full classes. And I decided to take it so I could understand what this thing was that happened to me. She's also a hypnotherapist. So I started like, she started working with me and it was very incredible the things that started to begin to happen to me. And one of, I think the one most profound moment, well, there was two, but the most profound moment was the first time she put me under hypnosis. I'd already got my Reiki two by that time. And she put me under hypnosis. I had never been hypnotized. Like, you know, I know we're hypnotized 120 times a day. Now I know that I'm a hypnotherapist now, but at the time I didn't know that. And so I went in, I didn't even know I was going to go in. I just was like, okay, whatever you're going to do. So I just was doing it and I was out. Like within two seconds, this has not even happened to one of my own clients. I guess what happened is my subconscious wanted me out of the picture, consciously out of the picture so that it could do the healing that it needed to do. And so within about two seconds, I was out. Apparently she had been like yelling things at me during this hypnosis and I didn't hear anything. And all I do remember hearing was her counting me out at the end. And I opened my eyes. And you know those Halloween masks when you're looking through the little slits, right? So I feel like I'm looking through those little slits and I'm like touching my face and touching my hands and I'm like looking at myself and she says, what are you doing? And I said, I feel like I'm not wearing my own skin. And what had happened was before the hypnosis, what she had been trying with me for weeks was we, we had hit a block with me because she wanted me to let go of my past to admit, like to actually want that. And I couldn't do it. I kept saying, no, I can't. I can't let go of my pain. I can't. And she kept saying, why? And I said, because it's all I am. There is nothing but that. And what you're asking me to do right now is cut off like an appendage, like my arm. Like I cannot give you what you're asking for because I don't know what will be left of me. I don't know anything but my pain. Sorry, I'm just remembering that girl. And I was just like, she begged me, she begged me. And I was just like, I can't do it. I can't do it because I'll just, I'll disappear. And I remember saying, I'll just be this puddle of goop on the floor. Like there'll be nothing left if, if we do this. She happened to catch me on a day where I was like a little bit more um, open to it. So that's when we went into hypnosis. I came out and, and now I'm looking at myself and she said, what are you doing? And I said, I feel like I'm not, I, like I'm not wearing my own skin. Like something's weird here. It was the first time I had felt myself 
not wearing everybody else's stuff. And I didn't know what to do with that. And I'm staring at myself in the mirror and I look the same, but I'm not the same. And I, I said, it's like I looked into my eyes for the first time ever. And I was meeting myself for the very first time. And I'm sitting there going, I think that I like you. I think I like you. And it took me, that's the first time I said anything even remotely close to that. And it was just, it was incredible. Afterwards, it was like an, like another, you know, an incredible healing that day. And she said, like, I want to put you through a Reiki session. I feel like we need to do a release with you. And I was like, okay. So she, you know, she did her thing and my energy, which is a little bit different than a lot of people's is when people get Reiki or they give Reiki they're they're very warm. It's usually like a heat with me. I turn into an ice cube. I don't know why. I remember the first time thinking, why do I get cold? What am I like Damien spawn? Like how come I get cold and everybody else is like warm? So I was getting so cold while she was doing this. And I thought she opened a window. It was winter. I thought she had opened a window because it was so cold in the room. So I'm wearing like blankets and stuff on me, but I was just staying quiet and letting her do her thing thinking maybe, I don't know, she's too hot. She's opened the window, whatever, but I'm freezing. And once it's all over, I open my eyes and I look at her. The windows are closed. The fires are going. Her lips are blue. Like I had released whatever I released was so huge that I actually lowered the temperature in the room. Mm. That was like crazy. After that, I was hooked. I was so hooked. And all I did was study, study, study. I wanted to know what these things were that had done this to me and changed my life so much to the point that I could look at myself and say, you know what, you're okay. You know, or, hey, you're pretty hot or whatever it was, but I'd say something, right? And I was just starting to wanting to get to know things. So I, I studied Reiki, I studied hypnotherapy, I st and I was still had my corporate job during the day. So at night you could see my living room was books and books and every question was another question. And I would study and study and study and get all these certifications. And one day I was sitting there with all these certifications and I'm like, what am I gonna do with all this? What am I gonna do? And I decided to take a huge leap of faith. And that was to give up everything I'd known and step into a place where I could pay it forward and help other people who were struggling and challenged with the same things that I was challenged with. And so I started doing that and I just, I don't even know what's going to happen to me. I could be living in a refrigerator box in a week. Like I have no idea what's going to happen to me, but I just feel like I need to do this. So I have been doing that um, ever since, but at the beginning of the pandemic, um, I had decided to take a bit of a sabbatical for myself and, you know, I've been helping people. I don't consider myself a healer. You can see I've got some of my shamanic gear here. You know, I am a hypnotherapist and NLP practitioner. I do have a lot of energy. Uh, I work a lot with the body. I'm a very holistic person when I'm working with people. You, you do have a lot of energy. True I do. Words my energy is perfect. massive. It's a big thing. It's a big thing. If you ever shared a room with me, it's like, like it's, it's a big thing. So I'm sitting there and I'm taking a sabbatical from like helping these people. And I would get actually, I would, when they, oh, Aisha, you're this healer. And I'd be like, don't call me that. I'm not a healer. 
And they say, but you're doing healing work. I said, I'm doing healing work and I'm guiding you, but you're the healer. That is one thing I've learned is the person who's getting the healing is the healer, not me, because I am just guiding you. It's up to you to accept it. It's up to you to use the tools that I'm giving you. It's up to you to take yourself there. I am just going to stand here and hold the light for you, right? So I'm taking you through, but you have to make all the choices. So you are the healer, not me. And when pandemic started, I was taking a bit of a sabbatical. I'd taken some time for me. And I created this, I haven't done a vision board in a long time. So I didn't just do a vision board, but there's a, there's a room behind here that it's a whole wall. Like the whole wall is a vision wall. And, you know, I put big love and stuff like there, you know, and I haven't had a relationship in years. So I was like, oh, it's time for a relate. Like who asks for a relationship during COVID? Only me. So (laughs) here we are. And what I didn't realize is sometimes when you, when you ask for something, you just don't know how you're going to get it. So I um, started doing some meditations and I got this really strong vision. I won't get into all of that. That's a whole other story about this academy, this learning center, something that I hadn't actually planned on, but it was very vivid how this, how this vision showed up. So I decided I wasn't doing anything else. I'm going to go ahead with this. I, so, I, so I created the International Academy of Universal Self-Mastery, which is iawesome.com. So I started creating iAwesome. And iAwesome is now over 100 faculty. And we've just launched this month, like really launched in January. So we just really launched in January. And it's over 100 faculty. And I've interviewed every single one of them because I wanted to be sure that I was bringing in teachers from all walks of life who had courses and workshops and seminars. But the one thing that they had to have, well, two things, one thing was a passion. They needed to have passion. They needed to remember what their passion was, not how many courses can I sell. That wasn't what I wanted. They could do that anywhere. What I wanted here was their passion, their remembrance of why they started doing what they were doing in the first place. So that's what I wanted first from them. The second thing was that was the, the need or the want to collaborate. Because iAwesome is a very different than any other uh, academies in that, or what any that I have found anyways, that the courses and the teachers are not products. You know, we actually get together once a week. There's like a think tank. We talk there. You know, we are always finding ways to make things better for the students. And it's a whole social network as well, because I did some research and I found out that in 2019, $165 billion was spent on online courses, but only 9% of those courses were ever completed. And wow. I don't know why. And 2025 is forecasting $325 billion worth of online courses at 9%. That's going to really suck. And on top of that, how many people do something with the courses that they learn? Not everybody does things with courses that they've taken. So I thought, why is that? And I said, because there's no accountability. There's no motivation. There's nobody to, to interact with, right? So you're doing this by yourself. And you could have some barriers. You could have some blocks. This is about self-mastery. This is about getting past all your stuff. If there's no one there to help you, this is going to be really hard, right? So we wanted to make it so that we would be there empowering them, supporting them, and interacting with them the whole time. So 
that's really what self-mastery you're stepping into your limitlessness right i was saved for some reason and i think that this is it i was saved for some reason to do something better somebody up there something up there said oh no 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 <laughs> you are not doing that right so because we have a plan for you and i went with it thank god thank universe thank source thank whatever that i actually said okay i'll do it because i could have been resistant and come up with a very different response because i really really did want it to be over i wanted it as much as i want i awesome to work as much as i want to help all these people i wanted it that bad back then and you know i think about it and I'm so thankful now. It's weird. I'm so thankful for every beating I have ever received. I am so thankful for every night I found myself with nowhere to be and sleeping behind a menu in a coffee shop. I am so thankful for all the betrayals. I am so thankful for everything that I have ever been through in my life because I'm here now doing what I'm doing and all of those things have given me the tools and the resources and the strength to be able to help other people who are in the same place as I was. You know, it's tough to come back from that. You have to somewhere find some strength in yourself. But a lot of times when we're in that place, when I think of who I was back then, I was blaming everybody else in the world for how I was feeling. Oh, my parents did this, a boyfriend did that, my friend did that. Like I piled all of it on top of me. But what I wasn't realizing, and the one thing that I would say to anyone who is contemplating this or even playing with this idea in their head to end their lives, the stuff that you're wearing, the stuff that's happened to you, is it yours? Does it belong to you or does it belong to someone else? And they've done something to you. They're taking it out on you. And you have a choice to say, mm -mm, no more. I'm not wearing your stuff anymore. Deal with your own stuff. I have another word I was going to say right now, but deal with your own stuff. Right. And it's about saying, I, you, I was brought here for something bigger and so are you. So is everyone you aren't did not come here to suffer and to end your life. I can pretty much there might be some people that was their purpose for some reason, but I don't know what. So I can't even imagine why that would happen. But at the end of the day, we're here to overcome the obstacles. We're here to overcome our difficulties so that we can do what we need to do. And if your life is a carousel, you know, where everything is easy, 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 it's really nice. You know, I'm not going to say I'm envying you too much, but you know what? It's really nice because, you know, you, you get to live this easy life. But if your life is a roller coaster ride like mine was and most people was, be thankful because all of that crap that you've been going through is going to be part of your purpose. It's going to be part of what you're doing. It's going to be, you are actually learning. You're in school. You are learning the tools that you need to learn so that one day when you step into your mission, when you step into what you're going to be doing, and listen, I didn't get into mine until I was 50. So, you know, if you, by the time you step into your stuff, you're going to be like, I can handle anything. Nothing will shock me. I got this right. So there is nothing that anyone could ever tell me or shock me with. And I'd be like, mm-hmm, 
I may not experience exactly what they experienced, but I get it, right? If I didn't go through all that stuff that I went through, I wouldn't be able to relate to that person. I wouldn't be able to connect with them the way that I do. So I'm thankful for every horrible thing that happened to me. So the biggest thing I learned was we've all got a story. Everyone has a story. And I have to decide how I'm going to tell my story. Am I going to be the victim of my story, which I used to be? Or am I going to be the hero of my story? The facts are the facts. They don't change. What happened, happened. But it's how I tell what happened and the outcome of what happened. And now look at me, you know, and that's, that's the story. It's a different story. And um, so if, like I say, if anyone's thinking about this, think again, because the stuff that's happening to you isn't yours. You just happen to be there. As a kid, you don't have a lot of choice, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, you're kind of stuck where you are. Um, but it's not going to be like that forever. And you can step away from this. You can help yourself afterwards. And you can be better than anyone would have ever thought. And if you are a black sheep or you are an underdog like I was, good for you. Because you are going to get experiences in your life that people will never have. So good for you. Get a journal, start writing them down, start writing them all down and be like, what did I learn from that? What did I learn from that? I used to call obstacles, obstacles, like everybody else does, you know, look for the opportunities in, in life. But the obstacles were like, Ugh. now I look at the obstacles and I go, well, there's an opportunity with a challenge that just showed up. And that's going to give me a lesson. That's a new lesson for me, right? That's something else that's going to help me grow even more than I am already. So now I look at those and go, oh, why'd you show up? <laughs> what do you got for me, right? So it's opportunities a to way. grow. Uh, yeah, so take a breath. You deserve one. Whew. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Just went on a ramble there. <laughs> opportunities to grow. What do you have for me? There's an attitude at a point where you just say, bring it on because it's here to serve me so that I can serve others. And this conversation around what makes us willing to tackle things that are bigger than we can do on our own, what makes us willing. And for you, what made you willing was somebody showing up and saying, I'd like to work with you for a minute. And I don't know about anybody else, but that has been true for me multiple times in my adulthood where some random, you know, conversation and they're like, can I work with you? And it's never been about money, right? It's always been about, they got the nudge that I was unaware of. Yep. So it's an amazing journey, Isha. You know, it really is. And I know it's Aisha. I did it again. That's okay. I know you're talking to me. <laughs> so the um, conversation around how making the decision to kill yourself yeah. actually freed you from the angst of your life because you had an out. Yeah. And in that moment of being free from the angst, someone came in and knocked you into a different trajectory. 
you know what? You're absolutely right. Like they showed up because I was no longer sitting there being, oh, poor me. I can't hate my life, blah, blah, blah. I was just like, hey, I'm almost done. <laughs> so it was a whole different energy that I was putting out there. I want to just highlight two things about this for everyone. One is there is a huge power in making a decision. There's a huge power in making a decision. And we hope you make a decision to stay. Because that is not one thing that you, that is one decision you do not want to be successful at. You know, that is one decision you do not want to be successful at because there is no turning back. And so when you hit rock bottom, you got no place to go but up, which is exactly what you experienced. And this was one of the things I created early on in my business was this concept. And I got called out for being negative. And I'm like, yeah, well, you, maybe you haven't hit rock bottom yet. Right. When you are on the mat staring up, guess what? You're staring up. Mm -hmm. But you've got to accept the fact that you're on the mat, that this is your rock bottom before you're able to move or even accept help. Yep, absolutely. And so the acceptance of that, and I, you just you share that story so wonderfully. And I really, really appreciate that. So we're going to let people chat and, and come up with some questions because one of the things that is really, really important is this idea of what you're doing now, yes. which is there's a problem in the online education world. Yes. And the problem, and it's just like there's a problem in publishing and libraries. I mean, the numbers are startlingly similar. People who buy ebooks, because ebooks can easily be tracked, and then they did surveys and they found out about people who had bound books, and they found that most people get a book and never read beyond page 17. Do you know how many Kindle books I have? I don't know, like 300, I think. I have so many. Yes. Someday when I'm um, taking a vacation or sitting by the beach, I will look at my ebooks. The reality is that it's not the ones that we never start that they were counting. It's the ones that people start reading and don't finish. Right. The courses that people start and don't finish. And sometimes that's not a bad thing. I mean, there's a very good quote that says sometimes the best way to complete a project is to abandon it which is what I did in college. I completed my college by walking away in the middle of my degree. Smartest decision I've ever made. I'm a successful college dropout. There's a place for accepting that you've made a choice as opposed to randomness. And so the community that you are creating is if people are coming into a course and they want to complete it. They know this is what they want to do. They may not have the habits that will support them. This is a community yes. that will support. Yes. And that was the missing piece that there are people who want to complete, but don't have the support. So who was it who supported you? Because you're like me, we are both certifiable. 
You know, we've got more certifications than than most people ever go out. I think I am certifiable too. <laughs> I absolutely am. I admit it. Nobody in their right mind would ever do what I do. Okay. I host the suicide prevention show as a live event, 12 speakers each day for two days. And I do this every other month. This is my calling in life. It's not sane, but it works for me. When somebody is going on a different course in their life and they want support, who showed up for you to support you through your trainings? Um, I, I think I've, I had several teachers. And I want to say that when I think of the students of IOSM that are going to be coming in, that are coming in now, I think of every student like a diamond. And every diamond has all these facets. And I think of each facet as a different teacher. So somebody else that they need. And it could be a creative. It could be now I need some help with business. Now I need some help with money. Now I need some help with, you know, some of my past trauma. Now I need some help with my anxiety, you know. So you need different people to help you. Mm -hmm. And different teachers took me on different parts of my journey. But I had to go out and search for all of them and find them. And that took a lot of time as well. So part of the idea of IOSome is also that all of these teachers are under one roof. You don't have to go far to find them. And the reason why we collaborate is if you're gonna see Jackie, well, Jackie, you might tell Jackie, I've always wanted to find what, what to do with my money. And Jackie might turn around and say, well, you need to go see Melinda, right? And go take her course as well, because we know each other now. We're, we're, we're creating a collective, a family together. And we're doing this so that we can help all the students that come in. It's a very different kind of thing. And every course, so we have a community. So if you want to picture, you know, some social community where they have like timelines and stuff, like we've got all that. Uh, but also every course, almost every course has a group attached to it. So now there's these mini communities. Every course becomes a mini community where eventually there'll be lots of students in there because you usually sign up lifetime for a course, right? So there'll be lots of students in there and you can interact with your teacher, right? your teacher will be present. You know, if it's, even if it's Tuesdays and Wednesdays at five, she'll be there or they'll be there, right? And they'll be there to help you. So you're gonna have this interaction and this help and the support and this empowerment. Now, the interesting thing about IOSM that I found and we are creating a really, what I call a nurture campaign. I've learned a lot. I, I honestly, I've never, launch something this in this big in my entire life. And I will tell you that in my corporate world, what I used to do was streamline businesses. So I know that it takes about two years to build a business like what we're doing. We have done it in seven months. It's crazy time. And it's evolved in ways that I can't even tell you. And I awesome has her own She's her own entity, I will tell you. Like I've worked with her long enough now to know that she's just she's not a person, but boy, oh boy, I know what she wants when she wants it. So it's it's this, it's this All right. oh God, it's just this being. So it's a crazy thing and it's amazing. And so now we're really, really focusing on the student experience because when a student comes in, there's no ads in iAwesome. There's no marketing in iAwesome. No one's telling you what to do. Okay, so you come in and you're like, where do I go? And part of being masterful is making your own choices. 
and your own decisions. So that's kind of me doing that on purpose. But I found that some people do need some guidance or so we're creating a bit of a nurture campaign to help people along. But at the end of the day, you need to go in and make some choices for yourself and start to explore because you want to live your life the way that you want to live your life. And you need to find out what that is without me telling you what that is. So that's why iAwesome is a little bit different than anywhere else you've been before. And I love her. Like, I love her. She is my baby. I love her. We can tell. It's very obvious. And what's really interesting is that this is becoming a theme of today, where the point is for you to do the self-discovery, for you to go on the journey, whether it's inside a community like iAwesome or using the tools from some of the other speakers earlier or some of the speakers that are coming later. I mean, exploring yourself. And so that's part of why we're here, because we believe that if you go on the journey to get to know you, you're going to find a diamond. Yes. You're going to find a multifaceted, glowing, light reflecting gem inside of you. And one day you're going to look in the mirror and you're going to say, you know what? I actually love you. I (laughs) love you. (laughs) And that's the journey that we are supporting everyone to go on because at that moment, we don't have to worry about ever talking you off the ledge. I mean, let's face it. You're not going anywhere near the edge. You've got stuff to do and something to create in the world. And this is my definition of suicide prevention is when your purpose taps you on your shoulder and you say yes, and now you're off on this journey edge what edge i don't see an edge do you see an edge yeah this is where we want everyone to be living their life from this point of passion and purpose and so thank you for sharing your story with us i am so pleased to share it always 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 you know a lot of people need help and not everybody can afford a personal coach which is why you gave such an amazing gift that I'm about to drop into the chat. Right. So to come in to iAwesome, yeah, that's a two-hour master your mission and the events. It's a free event. You can come in. You're going to love it. I'm going to help you with some goals and motivations and strategies and tools that you're going to pull out of all of this. And the interesting thing about iAwesome, number one, we, we you know, to enroll in iAwesome, there is a small fee, very small. Why? Because you need to make a commitment to yourself. We're going to talk in English. What is a small fee? If you're going to talk money, talk money. Like it's $9.99 a month for a ton, like a ton, like over 60, over 60 right now and more every day of inclusive free courses from all these different teachers. So there we go. So now we know what you're talking about. And earlier today, we were talking about $10. So now we're talking about $10. And the, there are three different conversations. And one is that you get to choose to invest in yourself first with your time. And that's what this show is all about. Take some time, invest in yourself, listen to all of these amazing speakers, walk yourself through some of the concepts, whether it's 
about money or whether it's about self-discovery and career paths or whether it's about making a plan to stay. And all of these things are available on the show for a reason. And what I'm really tickled about is the masterclass. And I just want to thank you for making this amazing gift available because in two hours, you walk them through some really amazing things. What else is in the masterclass? So in the masterclass, what I do is um, we work on some mindset. You need mindset. You need the right mindset. So we work a little bit on mindset. We also work on one of your goals, whether it be in business or personal or relationship or something you feel about yourself or whatever, just one of your goals. And we walk you through that goal in a real way where you're going to come out with knowing exactly what you want. And then we walk you through your motivation. Now, our motivation is kind of a funny thing because when I ask somebody why they want something, it's generally, it's generally a very superficial why. It's generally a why that people say that they're answering because they think that that's what they should, you know, that sounds like a good thing. Oh. Somebody else's why. They right? should. Right, they should do. That's the reason, right? So I just take you deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper where all of a sudden your motivation is out of here and you can feel it almost funk right inside here. And once it's here, by the time we're done with that, you are going to be surprised about what your motivation is. It's never what you think it is. And then we go through what strategies and tools you need now that you know what you want, why you want it. Now you need to know what you need. And so that's where I help you. And then I take you on a little tour of iAwesome, a really short tour of iAwesome. And we have a lot of sharing in this too. A lot of people share some amazing stories during this time as well. So it's a great way to get to know me. Um, it's a great way to get to know iAwesome. And it's a great way to get to know yourself a little bit, a little bit deeper to get to know yourself. And, you know, I look at it this way. I live in this house. If there was a leak in my roof, I would fix it. If there was, my fridge wasn't working, I would fix it. But my real house is this one. So I have to make sure that if something's broken, whether I can see it or not, I got to fix it. It's more important than this one. We look always outside of ourselves when really the work needs to start in here. And the minute you do this, then everything begins to change and it changes fast. Like it's amazing how quickly it can change. And when we think about our baggage, you know, some people have a big, I call them walnuts. So some people have a big bag of walnuts and some people have a small bag of walnuts and some people have a bulldozer. So every walnut is an experience. Imagine cracking open the walnuts, eating the meat. That's the lesson. Every experience you've been through, we get so caught up in the shell and the emotions about it. How about we just find out why we had to go through that, right? So that would be my only tip is start breaking open your walnuts and say, you know, what did I learn from that experience? Because that's the only valuable piece out of all of everything that you went through is what did I learn? What was my takeaway? There we go. Powerful, powerful questions. What did I learn? So people can pop into the chat. 
you, some of you have been with me for a few minutes today. Some of you have been with us for several sessions on the show. The reality is, what have you learned so far? So feel free to pop that into the chat. And while everyone is now doing the assignment I have given them, you know, Aisha, thank you. You're welcome. Thank, thank you. Thank you for being here and sharing your story. I really appreciate it. And the beauty of the journey. The fact that out of the moments that we think are the end of our life can come the moments that actually are our life. Yeah. Is truly a wonderful, inspiring story. And so I greatly appreciate you taking the time to be on the show and to share your story with well, everyone. Thank you for allowing me to do that. And as much as my story was powerful, so was everybody else's. We've all got a powerful story. There we go. You know, it's, it's a truism. Um, every sinner has a past. No, every sinner has a future. Every saint has a past. Yeah. And we all have powerful stories. We just have to start to believe that it's a story worth telling. And that's really the journey that I've been on for the last few years is coming in to believe that I have a story worth telling. And for you to be willing to share your story, it's a story worth telling. It's what can happen when you make a decision and give yourself freedom from what you believe is a life sentence. And that gave you back your life. And that's a very compelling story. So I just want to say thank you again. You're very welcome. And thank you for all the kind words from everyone. And um, just all I can say is I know sometimes it's hard to love yourself, but you, you, you have to do what you need to do to get there. It's really important that you do that. That's more important than anything is what do I need to do to start to really love who I am more than anyone. All right. For everybody who's got pencil and paper, write down this question and answer this question over and over and over again. What do I need to do to love myself? What do I need to believe to love myself is another way to phrase it. Put, write it down, take some time, answer the question. And so the link will be in the show notes. If you're watching the video, the link is in the chat for Aisha's gift and Thank you all for being here. And Aisha, thank you for all you do. Thank you.